mentioned in the opening prayer, this is the fifth Sabbath in the Pentecost count, 35th day. So we've got 15 left after day is Pentecost. Looking forward to that, only a little over two weeks away. Uh, just as a note and something you might pray about, uh, Evan and Daphne are planning on leaving Monday uh, to move out here to be with us. Uh, at least that was the last I heard from Daphne. It was it was uh, would be the 18th, and uh, I know how moving is. <laughs> They're getting houses ready and getting stuff ready, and whether they manage to make it on the 18th, I don't know for sure. But that was the latest prognostication. So, in case that is the case, uh, you might remember to say a prayer that they have a safe trip and. Uh, when you're moving and pulling trailers, all kinds of things can go wrong and sometimes do, as I well know. And so does Nelson, who comes and gets me once in a while. And I guess I've gone and gotten him a few times, too. So it works both ways, but things can break down. So keep them in mind, probably as they, at least allegedly, they'll be traveling this week to, to be here. So I, I look forward to, to seeing them and having them here with us. We have a uh, new month starting next or this coming Friday night. Uh, we haven't traditionally been having a Bible study when it comes on a Friday night because we meet on the first day of the new month on the Sabbath anyway. And it's not a commanded assembly, but we certainly should mark the months and we certainly should pay attention to it. And uh, we've got the third month coming up already of this new year. Now, over the last three weeks, I started into Deuteronomy 28 three weeks ago, showing the blessings that would come on Israel if they would simply obey God and follow His ways. And then I uh, stopped there on the obedience part and the blessing part and went to Leviticus 26 and went through... Again, the blessings, he said, would come for obedience, and the cursings then for disobedience. And God devoted two full chapters uh, to the same thing, saying the same thing over again uh, in both those chapters. So today, we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 28 and finish this, because I think it is very timely in that it appears that God has unleashed Satan finally to bring these curses on this nation and on all of Israel for that matter, because it's not just for the United States, whom we recognize as Ephraim, but it's against all Israel and Judah as well. And the things that are beginning to happen in this nation are also occurring in Europe, which is the biggest enclave of Israelites other than North America with the U.S. and Canada. So they are suffering as well. Uh, their banks are as, in as big a trouble as ours are. Uh, they've been suffering with this uh, virus as well. <clears throat> and we have been looking for when this would happen for a lot of years. And it does appear that God has just turned it loose with what is going on now. Not that everything in our country was going well, 
Uh, we've been headed toward a financial collapse for quite some time with our crazy borrowing and printing of money and various other things uh, that have been going wrong. But this has been turned loose in a very overt way and is affecting us all. And if we'll, as we will see here, it will get worse. Now, he said in Deuteronomy 20:14, You shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. And we are a nation now who has basically rejected God, and there are not very, very, not very many Americans today who think about God's commands on a daily basis, who consider Him on a daily basis. Uh, there are some people who claim to be Christian who do think of God and do pray, but most of them don't even believe the commandments are in effect, even though they have Christ's name. So, the amount of people in this nation who pay any attention to God's commands is very, very small. And you're counted among them as part of that number. And then he says in 15, But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Eternal your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. I think that's where I stopped three weeks ago. But before we continue here in this context, let's take a couple of uh, scriptures into account. Uh, people could say, and probably do, that this was Moses writing about Israel about to go into the promised land, which right after this, the book of Joshua, they actually do. So they'd say, this is ancient history. What does it have to do with today? I think you and I understand that Moses was a prophet. God called him a prophet. And his prophecies are not just for then. That was an immediate effect and a fulfillment. But go back to chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, same book, chapter 4. And look down... In verse 30, when you are in tribulation and all these things are come upon you, even in the latter days, if you turn to the eternal your God and shall be obedient to his voice, for the eternal your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, neither destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. So, Moses, even in the context here of Deuteronomy, is saying that this applies into the latter days, which is where we are, of course, today. And Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that these were all examples for those of us upon whom the ends of the world shall come. God wrote this history down for you and for me. That's why it's here. Because here we are at the end and history repeats. And as some have said, if it doesn't repeat, it certainly rhymes. Because every time God has brought Israel forward and blessed them, it hasn't been long until they disobeyed 
and had to be cursed. So that has been the pattern throughout Israel's history. If you go through and search the whole history, you will find very, very short periods of time where people actually did what God said. The vast majority of the time, they have gone a different way. So he is blessed and he is cursed over and over again. Now here we are in these latter days, and he's telling us to remember it. Let's go back uh, to chapter 8. It's in here several times. Verse 14 of chapter 8. Then your heart uh, be lifted up, and you forget the eternal your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Mitzrayim, from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents. This was our ancestors. Verse 16, Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you, and that he might prove you to do you good at your latter end. Remember Genesis 49, where Jacob told his sons what would befall them in the latter days, and what their blessing and their, their uh, proclivities would be. Let's get a couple more. Uh, thumbing on past to 31. And uh, here in verse 29. For I know that after this, Moses speaking to the Israelites, I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Eternal to provoke Him to anger through the works of your hands. And he told that to all Israel. So, here again a reference to the latter days. He knew that they would go into the promised land with Joshua, and it would only be a short time until they disobeyed God. Uh, you know, after 40 years of wandering and his experience in Mitzrayim, before he took them out, he kind of knew these people by now. And he knew what they would do in the immediate future and what they would do in the latter days because that's what we are, is stiff-necked and rebellious as a people. So he could pretty well predict it. So here we are. Now let's see, I've got, I got one more I want to go to. It's chapter 32. And here, verse 29 again. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? So again, a, a reference to the latter days. So what we're reading here about us is that that's the way we tend to be. So God gave us a beautiful, beautiful land here. He returned us to the promised land just as we had enjoyed before and had been taken captive. Now he gave us 430 years here 
and we turned from him and became a non-Christian nation entirely. We are Sodom and Gomorrah, if anything, today. And we should be sighing and crying for the sins of our people. But he said, don't even pray for them. They're not going to repent. And he gave us space to do it. And I believe that he passed judgment, as I've said several times, there in Amos when that eclipse came across our nation at the end of the 430 years of our tenure here. And I do believe that's what Ezekiel was laying on his side for, was for our sins. And immediately thereafter, when he got up, God said, I'm going to destroy the nation. And he said, it's very near. It wasn't going to happen the next day, but it was very close. It wouldn't be long. So if he's passed judgment then, and I believe that's the case, he has now turned the punishment loose in a big way. Uh, We've been being punished somewhat with earthquakes and uh, tornadoes and uh, hurricanes. But you might say, yeah, that's just a cycle. But what we're going through as a nation right now and as an Israelite people and even some of the rest of the world isn't a cycle. (laughs) When you have something turned loose on you that doesn't come naturally as a bioweapon, which is, I believe, this coronavirus is. I've read too much and seen too much, and there's no question, in my mind at least, that this was done to us on purpose. And now, even though in many places it's beginning to subside, and though they overreported the amount of deaths, that's pretty clear as well, uh... They're still trying to keep us locked down. Why? If it was just the coronavirus, why keep us locked down when it's beginning to subside? Now, some places they're easing up, and some places they're putting even more restrictions on. That means that they're locking us down for a bigger reason than just a bug. They're locking us down to destroy the American economy. As long as our economy was strong, it was very, very hard to defeat us. Our military is being weakened by this as well. So they're doing it to weaken us, to destroy us. And God said that would come. So we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 28 and read how he says it will come. And we can even see some early developments here that are already occurring that Moses writes about. They're already happening. So this isn't future prophecy now. This is here and today. And it's going to get worse. So picking it up, then, he says, your curses will come upon you. In verse 16, cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. City or rural, it doesn't matter. The curse is going to come to the whole nation, not just parts of it, but all of it, because that encompasses the whole thing, the city and the field. There are people who see some of this coming in the alternative news, but they don't get this. They don't understand, for instance, that we're Israel. I 
I know personally one of them that's one of the biggest ones on the alternative news, and I've corresponded with another one, and they will not even begin to admit that we could be Israel. It just doesn't work with their Protestant uh, beliefs. So sometimes they even quote curses that are going to come, but they don't know upon whom. They look upon America as Babylon alone, and that these curses will come on Babylon. And they don't grasp that we are Israel, but we're ruled over by a Babylonian uh, government. So we're both. So if you read curses and things that are going to happen to Babylon, they're going to happen to us. If you read curses coming on Israel, they're going to happen to us. <laughs> they both apply. But they don't get that. So they think you can go out and bug out to the Midwest or up into the mountains somewhere and you'll be okay. No. That won't work either because it'll be in the city and out in the field or the wilderness or the open area. It's going to be both places. So they're not going to be able to get away with it. And in fact, in the book of Revelation, it says that some of them will go up into the mountains and, and cry out for the rocks to fall on them because they want to die and they can't. So even in the under the rocks, towering above them in the mountains, praying that they fall, and they won't. They won't get off that easy. So the curse is nationwide and Israel-wide, if you want to include Australia and Europe. Cursed shall you be your basket and your store. The basket represents that you har what you harvest, and the store represents that which you have, stirred, have reserved or stored up for the future. And our government has stored up things for the future, uh, butter and wheat and oil and various other things. But this is going to be so bad that that won't do any good either. In fact, our storage supplies as a nation are going down very rapidly, and we're noticing shortages in various things. So the storage is going away. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your cattle and your flocks of sheep. So, famine, pestilence, diseases with our children, and we even kill our own children. Uh, that's a curse, that we've killed millions and millions of our own babies. And now, as we saw, I think, last week in Leviticus, we're even going to start eating our babies and adults eating each other. You won't be able to trust anybody in this country when everybody is hungry. So, we're having unseasonal weather, and even Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air, has taught mankind how to control weather. There have been too many reports of things that they've done to cause trouble in the weather. It's not all just natural. 
Uh, it's being manipulated. Everything's being manipulated. So, as with Job, I've mentioned this before, God sicked Satan on Job. And all kinds of things happen, both so-called natural disasters, as well as diseases and so on, that Satan directly put on Job. And if he knew how then, he still knows how. He can still do it. And he can teach men these things <coughs> so that they too can manipulate the weather. <coughs> And manipulate finances, manipulate everything. So God doesn't have to create every pestilence. He doesn't have to create every disease or every drought. He just turns Satan loose. And I believe he's been turned pretty well loose now. And things are going to get a whole lot worse. Now they're talking about a vaccine uh, that they want to administer to everyone. And they're already getting the military uh, set up to vaccinate every American. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, they have a needle ready for you. And they just the government just bought 500 million of them for this new inoculation. And the guy that's behind developing the vaccine, Bill Gates, has also said that the population needs to be reduced. So how's that for a contradiction? Are they going to turn more loose on us with the vaccine? I'll guarantee you I'm going to avoid it. Uh, if I have to stay home and never go anywhere, I'm uh, not going to take it. But they have plans for it. And I think Bill Gates has been quoted as saying we need to reduce the population by 30%. And there are others who've said 90% who are in positions of power as billionaires. 90%. And Daniel tells us that it will be actually over 90%. Only 100 million left out of 7.5 billion when this is done. So is God just talking through his hat here? Or what? Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. There's only two places to be, in or out. And you'll be cursed either place. You can't get away from it. City or field, in the house, out of the house, doesn't matter. The eternal shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you do, or all that you set your hand to. For to do until you be destroyed. And until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings, whereby you have forsaken me. So God is the one that's turning it loose on us. And people say, pray for this nation. I hear that sometimes on the alternative news. Our only hope is Jesus and the rapture, that he'll take us away from all this. Well, you and I understand there's no rapture. We understand there's a flight to a place of safety in Zion, and that's the only place where there is protection. The only place. 
Go through. Read all the scriptures about Zion. Most of you have done it. And it's the only place of refuge that God names. God is behind this. If you go back and look at the plagues that came upon Mitzrayim, uh, it didn't make any difference whether they were in the house or out of the house. The flies, the, the lice, the everything, the darkness, wherever they were, it got them. Verse 21, The Eternal shall make the pestilence cleave to you until he have consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. Now, we've had a few thousand deaths from this coronavirus. Nobody knows how many because I believe they have overstated it to try to keep us locked up. But it hasn't consumed us off the land, has it? And Ezekiel tells us that one-third will die of famine and pestilence. So we've got over 300 million people. That means over 100 million are going to die of famine and pestilence. Not 40 or 50,000, but 110 million more or less. Till it's consumed you off the land. So this is just the first wave of pestilence. They will turn loose more. And they may do it through vaccines, part of it. No telling exactly how they'll do it. <coughs> this isn't by the sword, you see. This is by pestilence. Consumes one-third of us off the land. That's a lot of people. You know what? 110 million? Wow. The Eternal shall smite you with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning... So that's some symptoms that coronavirus has, and some of it is symptoms it doesn't. So that means that there's more to come of a different variety with different symptoms. And with the sword. So there's Ezekiel's second part, one-third die of the sword. One-third of famine and pestilence, another 110 million by the sword, by military, with blasting and with mildew, the things you breathe, the fungus and mildew in the air will kill. So even the air will not be safe to breathe, probably as a result of some of this pestilence and the sword and the diseases that come when you have unburied bodies and you'll be able to get diseased and die just from the air you breathe. And you, they shall pursue you until you perish. This, this isn't going to end until it's done. No relief troops. God isn't going to save our nation. You know, the only way God would save the nation was if the nation repented. And it is very obvious at this point, this nation is not about to repent. You and I have been trying on a spiritual level, and I hope we've been getting it done. But our nation is not going to. Your heaven that is over you shall be brass, and the earth that is under you shall be iron. Untillable, unworkable, unusable, uh, no rain, like a brass sky. 
the Eternal shall make the rain of your land powder and dust. So instead of water coming down, it'll just turn to powder and dust because it's dry. And animals can't eat powder and dust, and neither can you. From heaven shall it come down upon you until you be destroyed. So these things, as we go through here, it's one upon another. They get worse, and they get worse, and they get worse. So I think it's easy to say that what we have been through these last two or three months is just going to get worse and worse. And already elements of that are beginning to show. We'll, we'll get to that here in a moment, some of it. The Eternal shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. We've been so proud. We sing songs about how if anybody crosses us, they'll get a boot up their rear end. I think Toby Keith sold a million records on that one, probably. No, it's not going to be that way anymore. We'll be smitten. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. I think I said last week or the week before, if you, if, if you flee seven ways, that's utter confusion. There's only four basic directions to go, and seven ways means you're just running for your life any direction you think you might can go. And that salvation will not be there. You shall be removed into all kingdoms of the earth. So here it has it, just like Ezekiel. You'll get pestilence and famine. Then you'll get the sword. And then be removed, and all the kingdoms of the earth means captivity. Taken captive. Your carcass shall be meat to all fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. If you kill 110 million by famine and pestilence, and 110 million by the sword, there isn't time to get them all buried. They're going to lay there and rot. And he says, no one will scare away the buzzards and the ravens and the coyotes and the lions and whatever comes to eat your carcass. It'll just be left there. We've already heard that with this virus we've been suffering, that the, uh, the crematoriums are filled. They can't keep up with it. I don't know how true that is. Probably true in some places. In other places it's false reporting. But already they're pushing the system just to get all the bodies taken care of. And here it says it's going to be pushed beyond their ability to contain it. As a nation, we're going to have our eyes pecked out and our bodies eaten by birds and beasts. The Eternal will smite you with the botch of Mithraim and with the hemorrhoids and with the scab and with the itch whereof you cannot be healed. Now, he only left it for a certain period of time with Mithraim. Here he says... This won't be healed. This will continue. And some of the things he's talking here are the things that occurred in Ephraim, I mean in Mitzrayim, that he is going to repeat. And if you go back to Revelation 11, once the tribulation itself starts, when the abomination is set in the temple, 
the two witnesses will be given uh, power to do the same plagues of Mitzrayim. So here it comes ahead of the tribulation. We're already into this period of the pestilence starting. And then it'll get worse during the tribulation. But America will be gone by then. When the great tribulation occurs, this nation will not exist anymore. The pestilence, the military will have taken two-thirds, and one-third will be into captivity. And the tribulation then is basically upon the Gentiles, because Israel will already have been taken care of. That's clear in Revelation 17, where the woman that rides the beast, the great whore of Ezekiel 16 and Revelation 17 and 18, is destroyed. And that removes us so that they can have their new world government. We stand in the way of it, and they know they've got to get rid of us first, and that's what they're working on. Verse 29, You shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness, totally discombobulated. Your balance is gone. Your equilibrium is gone. You're confused. You don't know what's going on. And you shall not prosper in your ways. How can you prosper when you're staggering around and don't know what's going on? Total confusion. Total lack of security. When all these things have been coming down, uh, it's already created a certain amount of confusion in our land, has it not? And the confusion has just started. You shall be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save you. We have the billionaires now who are spoiling our land even as we speak. Where's the equity in what has happened? You have mom and pop, middle class businesses everywhere that are completely shut down across the land by the millions. And yet the big box stores like Costco and Walmart and all of those stay open. Why? What's the difference? More people come to those big stores and go to the little ones anyway. Which you creates even more danger. But the big corporations behind all this and the government behind all this are favoring their buddies, their cronies. So they let them stay open and all the mom and pops basically have been shut. They're trying to take away the wealth of the middle class and destroy it. They want to take over the homes. They want the cars. They want everything. They want the land. And nearly everybody in this land who's middle class has debts. And their houses and their cars are subject to repossession. So is their land. They want it all. And they want you gone and dead. I hope we get that point. The people in Washington, D.C., like the ones running this lockdown, are globalists. They want us dead. That Dr. Fauci gave the satanic Baphomet sign. He's a Satan worshiper, and he is part of the New World Order. Therefore, he wants America destroyed, in spite of all the baloney that he 
evokes. They're against us. We can't be healed. No one will save us. You shall betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. That's total confusion. Uh, No sanctity of the home, no sanctity of marriage, and so much confusion in the country that what we have thought of as normal is no more. And even the press is beginning to tell us that we have a new normal. They want to convince us that the way we've been living these last two months is the new normal. Get used to it. There's going to be more of it. We'll never go back to the way we were. And you know what? I think Moses is telling us that in as clear a language as he could say it. When one-third of you die and another third of you die, and a third of you are taken to captive, you're not going to go back to the way you were. All the end-time prophecies apply. From here on out, there is no normal. What is the new normal is what Moses is writing to us. Death and more death. Trouble and more trouble. Don't believe it when somebody says, oh, we're going to have a V-shaped or a U-shaped recovery and everything's going to be fine in five, six, seven years. No, it's not. Well, yeah, probably is. By then, the millennium will probably start and everything will be fine. But it'll never go back to normal in this end of the age, in these latter days. This is what God has decreed. So, when you read the news, when you hear the news, Think about what God has said is going to happen. And then you can interpret the news and you can get rid of the stuff that's baloney and you can understand the stuff that fits the book. So it's easy to get confused if you don't keep these prophecies in mind. But when they say peace and safety, God says there won't be any. So don't listen when they tell you that because... This is the truth that we're reading today of what will happen in the latter days. It couldn't get better, and it will get worse. You'll build a house, and you shall not dwell therein. Get a loan, build a house, move in, you're going to get moved out. Isaiah 5 goes into that in detail, says they'll build their fine homes and they won't live in them. All these McMansions we're building will be emptied of their people. They'll be uh, repossessed. They'll be saved for the people who take over. We're not going to have a nuclear holocaust in this nation. Don't let anybody kid you. Why would they destroy and make it unlivable for a hundred years or more when they could just take over? The Bible tells us there in Daniel that this nation is going to be divided into four different parts. And you can look at UN maps that show four divisions. China takes part of it. Mexico takes part of it. Russia takes part of it. And who was the other one? And it has a little horn over each one of those four divisions. So they want your houses. 
You say, well, why would they want our houses empty? We won't be able to make our payments or pay our rent. They don't care. They're going to move Chinese in to one-fourth of the nation. They're going to move the Mexicans into one-fourth of the nation. They'll move Russians in to one-fourth of the nation. And they will use your houses. You'll betroth a wife and you won't lay with her because a Chinese or a Russian or a Mexican or whoever else in the United Nations will do that for you. This is pretty grim. So they want our houses. They don't want to destroy them. They want them for their people. China said it outright. They said, we need a place to colonize, and America's it. We need places to move our people. we got too many. So they're killing some, and they want to move over here and colonize us. I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm just telling you what the UN says about who they're going to try to put where. I've seen it also divided into ten pieces by different people who say they know. But the Bible says four pieces. And when those people take over, they're going to want your car and your house and your land. They don't want to destroy it with a nuclear holocaust. And the Scripture says they'll take your house. You won't live in it. They're not going to blow it up. They're going to take it. You'll plant a vineyard and shall not gather the grapes thereof. So everything that we've done in our agricultural endeavors are going to be taken away. Your ox shall be slain before your eyes, and you shall not eat thereof. Here's one that's happening right now, today. The biggest uh, provider of beef in this nation provides 23% of it. One company, 23% of it. And it's not even an American country. It's a Brazilian country that owns this. It goes by its letters. I forget what they were. But most of them are shut down. And so is Tyson. And so is uh, Smith's. So on. Smithfield, whatever it is. And they are literally today killing millions of chickens and thousands of beef animals and pigs because they can't take them to a slaughterhouse. The, media, the middlemen are not buying them. So this very day, our oxen are being slain before our eyes. And you shall not eat thereof. They can't get it to the market. And if you go to some of the markets... The meat counters are getting sparse, and the prices are going up. And that's just the beginning. When we start dying by the millions and tens of millions, things are going to get worse, and the supply chain is going to stop completely. You know, the supply chain has already been erupted by this one little flu bug that has killed less than the normal flu does, and a lot of Flu patients have been labeled coronavirus patients to make this thing look worse. And our supply lines are already messed up. How bad is it going to be when people start dying by the tens of millions instead of just by the tens of thousands? It'll be exponentially worse. 
I doubt if I can read this and expound it and even begin to get across to us how bad this is going to be because what we are reading here today is beyond our imagination. It's, it's beyond what we can grasp. But let's at least try to understand what's happening around us and be so very thankful to God that there is a way of escape for those few who will obey Him. So they're already slaying our animals, our birds, leaving them to rot. Your ash shall be violently taken away from before your face, and you shall not, and not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have none to rescue them. Our enemies are coming in. They'll take over by the sword. They'll take our animals, and there'll be nobody to defend us or get them back. Food supply destroyed. If your heavens are like brass and your earth like, uh, what did he say? Hard anyway. You can't grow vegetables. You can't grow wheat. And then your animals are also destroyed. And even if they weren't destroyed and taken away, when there's famine and pestilence on this level, there's nothing for them to eat anyway. So they might as well be destroyed or given to your enemies. No one to rescue them. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. And your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no might in your hand. This is going to happen on a major basis. Now already, we know through the Jeffrey Epstein thing, that they're taking our young boys and girls and selling them to these rich people to use as they will. It's already happening. Before our nation even falls, it's happening. And they're being shipped all over the world for some rich Arab to molest and abuse and put into prostitution and kill. Statistics show that in some places, over 80% of the children that are picked up by the Child Protective Services are sold into slavery. Sold into prostitution. I mean, 11, 12, 13 years old. Some even younger. This is already happening. to tens of thousands of kids in our nation every year. And it's going to get worse. Because when the enemy comes in, they will kill the old people. They will save the young people as workers. And they will save the kids for their pleasures and for work as well. That's just what Gentile nations do when they take over. There are scriptures that say that they'll rip up the women with children. I mean, that are pregnant. They'll take a bayonet and just rip them open. Because a mother pregnant is of no use to them.
you'll fail with longing for them all the day long. It's hard to part with your kids. It really is. And there shall be no might in your hand. There's not a thing you can do about it. Even now, when Child Protective Services come, there's not a thing you can do about it. They'll have the sheriff there, they'll round your kids up, and they'll haul them off. It's happening across our nation every day. Right now. Today. There have been some picked up in this nation and taken away from their parents who can do not a thing about it. You think you live in the land of the free and the home of the brave? We're free, not free, and we're certainly not brave anymore. Verse 33, The fruit of your land and all your labors shall a nation which you know not eat up. They'll come in and take our food. And you shall be only oppressed and crushed always. The Chinese in conjunction with the American government, I think there's collusion there, have already turned loose a bioweapon in our land and we're being crushed by it. We're being crushed financially. Our families are being crushed. It's changing our whole way of life just by what they've done. We'll only be oppressed and crushed always. It's going to get worse. So that you shall be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. It's going to drive people crazy, what they see going on, and their kids being removed, and nothing to eat. They're going to go stark, raving, crazy bananas. The Eternal shall smite you in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head, just like Job. Head to foot. Now try going out and working and making a living. <laughs> when you got sores all over you. What do you think, brethren? Is it time we get close to God so we can miss this? I don't want to go through this. But it's already started. It is already happening. It's just going to get worse and worse for us. The Eternal shall bring you and your king, which you shall set over you, to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there shall you serve other gods, wood and stone, just like they did in Mitzrayim. Leaders taken captive too. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Eternal shall lead you. These once so proud Americans who thought that they were above everybody. We are not the head anymore, we'll be the tail. You shall carry much seed out into the field, and shall gather but little in. For the locust shall consume it. Did in the dust bowl in the twenties, coming again. It's not going to just be Kenya and Pakistan and other nations over there. It's going to be right here. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. So all kinds of bugs that we can't kill. You shall have olive trees throughout your coasts, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olive shall cast his fruit. We've got lots of olive trees in this nation, primarily California. Not going to get any olives anymore. <clears throat> 
You shall beget sons and daughters, but you shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Jerked away from you. It's even in some of the uh, presidential uh, letters. Uh, they're the presidential laws. They're not real laws. But they have given permission for FEMA to come and take our children away, even within our own nation, under martial law conditions. So when it gets bad, we'll come get your kids. Here it says foreign nations will come get your kids and make slaves of them. All your trees and the fruit of your land shall the locust consume. In verse 43, the stranger that is within you shall get up above you very high, and you shall come down very low. Hosea says Ephraim is a cake not turned. It's white on top, but black and brown all over the bottom. If you leave something you're baking in the oven too long, it gets black, brown. So that's what Hosea means, is we'll have people of different colors come in and take over. Yeah, you're white on top. You've been an Israelite nation, but black and brown will take over. And yellow. Uh, some of the burning on the bottom is yellow, too, if you've noticed. Uh, he shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. Will be a great debtor nation. It hasn't been many decades since America was a great creditor nation. People, we didn't owe anybody, and people owed us. Now it is completely turned around, and we owe trillions to others. Trillions. We're the borrowers now. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you, and shall pursue you, and overtake you, till you be destroyed. There will be no let up. It's going to come wave after wave after wave until there's nothing left of us. Even of those that go into captivity, it says, a sword will come after them. And Ezekiel said 90%, and then he said, take some out of your skirt and throw them in the fire too. So less than 10% will survive of this nation and of all Israel. Because you hearken not to the voice of the eternal your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. We are today very obviously a godless nation. And that's why this is coming. Why it is here, not coming, but here and getting worse. His commandments and statutes shall be upon you for a sign and for a wonder and upon your seed forever. You're never going to get away from the laws of God. And they will come back to bite you if you don't keep them. He says this is the way it will always be. So it was that way back then, and it's that way today. Because you serve not the eternal your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. We have not been thankful. We have taken what we have for granted in our prosperous nation. 
and we've forgotten God. And he says, if you forget my commandments and you take me for granted, all these blessings that I've given you, that he said would happen to Ephraim, it would, spouse would run over the wall there in Genesis 49. <coughs> we would be a wonderfully prosperous nation above all. So instead of giving God thanks continually, daily, for all he's done for us as a people, we have denied him. And it's all going to be taken away. So when we pray to God, we should pray with joyfulness and gladness of heart, especially you and me, for the spiritual things he's given us. We should be so thankful for what we've been given. We've still enjoyed physical blessings up to this. And he says if we will be joyful and abundantly praise him and obey him, He's going to continue the physical blessings on us in Zion, as well as increase the spiritual blessings. So there's no way, if we serve God with joy and thankfulness, that all this will come on us. It won't. He's given us a way out. Just for a few thousand who will... Follow him, as the Ten Commandments say. Chapter or verse 48, Therefore shall you serve your enemies, which the Eternal shall send against you, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness. They'll barely give you enough to keep you alive to work. That's, what, that's the way they treat slaves. And in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he have destroyed you. A wooden yoke was a lighter type of service. You could live with a wooden yoke. But in times past, an iron yoke meant very, very hard conditions until you die. The Eternal shall bring you a nation against you from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose tongue you shall not understand. It's not going to be English-speaking people who come here. It's going to be people with a foreign language. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. Utterly, totally cruel. No mercy, no forgiveness, no quarter. Die. And he shall eat the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your land until you be destroyed. He's repeated that over and over, till you be destroyed. Which also shall not leave you either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of your cattle or flocks of sheep, until he have destroyed you again. And he shall besiege you in all your gates until your high and fenced walls come down, wherein you trusted throughout all the land, and he shall besiege you in all your gates throughout the land, which the eternal your God has given you. He's not going to send nuclear. He's going to besiege us until we're destroyed. When you besiege a city, you go up against it until you break in and conquer it. Till your walls come down. Our military is going to be destroyed. We won't have anybody to trust in to protect us. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, which the eternal your God has given you, 
in the siege and in the straightness wherewith your enemies shall distress you. So we'll be surrounded. We'll have enemies around all our cities, UN troops probably, and be besieged and won't be able to get food. And it's going to get so bad, people will eat their own children. That's pretty dire. It happened in World War II in some of Eastern Europe. It's happened around the world in some of the conflicts that have occurred. So there's, there's precedent for it. When people hung, get hungry, they'll do anything to eat. Verse 54, So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate... His eyes shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children which he shall leave. Can you imagine, men, your wives who've lived with you for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60, will look at you and say, there's food, and kill you and eat you. Can you wives... Imagine your husbands of all those years killing you and eating you. It's going to happen all across this country. I don't want to be here when this happens. I want to be in a place of safety. So there's a lesson here for our nation, but there's also an awful lot said here that needs to warn us and wake us up to the reality of where we are. When I read this in the 50s and 60s, it wasn't where we were. Today, it's where we are. And he just keeps laying it on, layer after layer, and it gets worse and worse. He didn't mention eating our own family at the beginning of this chapter, but he's getting to it down here as things get worse and worse. So that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat. He won't even share when he kills a family member. Because he has nothing left him in the siege and in the straightness wherewith your enemies shall distress you in all your gates, all your cities. The supply line will be completely cut off. Enemy soldiers will eat our food and we will eat each other. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness, won't go outside barefooted, that's for sure. She might get a little pebble on her feet. Got to have her shoes on. She's so de tender and so delicate. Her eyes shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter and toward her young one that comes out from between her feet and toward her children, which, also, which she shall bear. For she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and straightness, wherewith your enemy shall distress you in your gates. She won't tell anybody she's going into labor. She'll go off and try to do it quietly so no one knows she gave birth, and she can eat the baby before somebody takes it away from her and eats it in her. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, the Eternal your God, then the Eternal will make your plagues terrible 
and the plagues of your seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Not something that comes and goes in two or three days. Moreover, he will bring upon you all the diseases of Mitzrayim, whom you were afraid of, and they shall cleave to you. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, all kinds of diseases, them will the Eternal bring upon you until you be destroyed. And you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Eternal, your God. Out of 330, 340 million, less than 33 million will survive. It will come to pass, as the Eternal rejoiced over you to do you good, and God rejoices to do us good and give us blessings. He loved bringing us back to this land after a long captivity and giving it to us in the 15 and 1600s. He loved that. But now he's changed his attitude. So the Eternal will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land where you go to possess. <clears throat> the promised land will be plucked off of it. Here we are in the promised land. And the Eternal shall scatter you among all people from one end of the earth even to the other. And there shall you serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shall you find no rest, no ease, no peace. Neither shall the sole of your foot have rest, pushed to be slaves, day and night, no rest. But the Eternal shall give you a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Mental anguish, emotional anguish. And your life shall hang in doubt before you. You never know when you're going to die. When you're in a gulag, a FEMA camp, a foreign camp, you don't know when they're going to come in and kill you. Or when you're going to curl up and die of starvation. And you shall have no assurance of your life. That's a terrible mental state to be in when you have no security whatever and you don't know what moment you're about to die. In the morning you shall say, Would God it were evening. And at evening you shall say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of your heart wherewith you shall fear and for the sight of your eyes which you shall see. And the Eternal shall bring you into Mitzrayim Sin, the world, the Gentile world, again with ships. Now, he's done it before. When Moses gave this to them, they thereafter went into the promised land, disobeyed God, and were taken to North Africa and the Middle East from here and different parts of the world into slavery. And our land rested for many, many generations. No one was here but hunters and gatherers, American Indians, uh, who did not till the land for the most part, and the land got its rest. And then God, with joy, gave this land to us again. 
But Ezekiel had laid on his side for 430 days, representing years, and saying at the end of 430 years, if we disobeyed God, we would be destroyed. And we will be taken into captivity again, as it says here, with ships. Planes, ships, whatever means they use to ship us wherever they want us as slaves. By the way, whereof I have spoken to you, you shall see it no more again, and there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. So you'll be up for sale, and you'll be in such wretched condition, in such poor shape, that nobody wants us. And if you're in that bad a shape, and nobody wants you and will feed you, you die. Until less than 10% of what we see today in this nation are left to go into the millennium. That's where we are, brethren. This is no longer a prophecy of the future. This is a, an occurrence. And day by day, it is going to get worse and worse. And you might think you're going to see a reprieve once in a while. And maybe we'll look around and say, hey, it looks like things are getting a little better. But that will be an illusion. It will be something that goes away very quickly. And the next wave is going to hit us. So I guess I'm saying to you and me, we need to do everything we can to worship God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul because there is a way of escape to those who will obey. God loves people who obey Him. He can't help Himself but bless them. And they are so rare, so few, so far between throughout history and today. Be thankful he had mercy and showed you truth. And that he showed you a way of escape. Pray to him with thanksgiving every day for what you have. He says if you joyously worship and thank him, he will turn and bless you with all his heart. If you turn to him with all your heart... He will turn to you with all his heart. And his heart's bigger than your heart. And you're going to come out better for it. So let's take Moses' prophecies very, very seriously and realize we're in the middle of it. And that a way of escape is provided for us. And we're here in the area where it's going to happen. And if we do our part will be part of His work. And we will actually help punish the world so that the world might repent when all of this is said and done. This is awful stuff. And it is going to take this, what we just read today, it will take this happening before people will begin to be humbled and ready to worship the true God. You and I have been through it to a great degree, spiritually. And it's been tough. And now it's happening to our friends and neighbors and relatives and the rest of the nation on a physical level. And it will happen to us on a physical level as well 
unless we live up to the terms of the new covenant and serve God and come under his protection. And we need to have faith and trust and belief that he will deliver us, that our effort will not go unrewarded, because he promises if we do so, he will help. And even though we fail some from day to day, his grace is there for us. Pardon we don't deserve is there for us if we make the effort, if we overcome, if we grow. If he can see we're putting forth that effort to obey him, he's going to cover an awful lot of our sins. And we can be thankful for that as well.